everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Fear and Loathing in Cinema, the podcast where we're taking these crazy older movies that may or may not have been great, revisiting them and uh, telling you all the background information, how it got made, why it got made, who's in it, why is it, and maybe just a little bit of redemption and redeeming qualities about it. This week, we are talking about Rocky Five. Holy fucking Moses. Rocky Five. I am Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the man I want to be in the boxing ring with, not to fight with, but just to have a cup of tea with Dan Moran in Austin. What's up, buddy? Not much. I am so excited to talk about Rocky Five, Rocky V, Tommy Gun One, well, all the titles that this classic masterpiece entry of this uh, worldwide phenomenon franchise rocky isn't it called in my own head but rocky five is what we're doing today people rocky five rocky five oh, oh my god so okay so rocky five guys this is this is insane so let's just let's just kind of start well first off before we get into rocky five let's talk a little bit um, about, uh, we just want to bring up Tenet and Mulan real quick. We've talked about this on previous episodes. Uh, Dan saw Tenet. Both movies really have just been box office bombs, even though Mulan wasn't in theaters. They were char- Disney Plus was charging 30 bucks to watch the, to rent the movie. It made zero dollars um, at the box office. Right. <laughs> and then, Right, right. And Tenet made its opening weekend like 20-something million dollars, which is, you know, something like a Medea movie would make. Right. <laughs> opening weekend, if that. that. Yeah, so, you know, they've been out for a few weeks. They, ha- they have not recouped their expenses. And now Disney and other people are starting to pull their films from theatrical because nobody's going to the movie still and pushing them to another year. So... Just real quickly, Dan, what do you think about this? It's smart. I love movies. I haven't been to the movies since March. I saw, I usually average 70, 80 movies in an actual movie theater a year. Sometimes when I go to film festivals with you, I see 20 or more in a week. I love being inside of a movie theater and watching a movie, but I'm not going out to the movies to see Unhinged. I'm not rushing out to see Mulan. I'm not, I wasn't going to turn around and go out and rush and see Black Widow. And I love the Marvel movies because I don't think any of it's worth the risks right now. I mean, I'm in Texas. Texas is not doing great all the time. And I just, I think it's smart of them to play their cards right. And obviously a big factor is California and New York aren't even really opening their theaters. And those are pretty populous states. But Push it off. We're going to be so much more excited to see these movies on a big screen when we can get back to some sort of normalcy that I hate to sound like a Disney shill because trust me, they are not lying in my pockets. I would love it. Disney, if you want, I love you. Disney, go ahead and pay me. I'll say anything you want. But at the end of the day, hold these movies till next year. They're going to be successes. Everyone's going to want to see them. And it makes me nervous for a movie like James Bond that I'm really excited for that they are just pushing like, This movie is coming out in November, no matter what, it's going to happen. And I just sitting there going, I love James Bond. I love Ana de Armas. It's all I want to watch is Ana de Armas in a dress and James Bond shoot people in pretty cars. And I'm in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to justify going to do this. Right, right. That's, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a tricky situation. And I really, we've been saying it for months on the multimedia podcast network just please just delay everything until mid next year so we can get this under control so you know it just needs to happen so there you go a little bit of news on the tenant and mulan fronts and movies coming out but let's move on to our rocky five main event we have so much to talk about holy shit uh, so Rocky Five, a little background information for you. This movie was released in November of 1990, specifically November 16th, 1990, basically telling you it came out for Thanksgiving. This is the fifth movie 
in the Rocky franchise, and it was directed by John G. Alvidson, who directed the first Rocky, the the multi-Academy Award Oscar-winning movie, Rocky. He went on to make movies such as Karate Kid 1, Karate Kid 2, Karate Kid 3, Lean On Me, Eight Seconds. But in the middle of this, we'll talk about this later, after making Rocky, he didn't want to make Rocky two through four he came back for rocky five and oh my oh mare so you just listed a lot of good movies in there no for sure for sure a lot of good movies right um and so it was produced by erwin winkler again who produced the you know original rocky it was written by sylvester stallone of course yeah uh and it starred pretty much brought back everybody, including Talia Shire, Burt Young, and Burgess Meredith, music by Bill Conti, uh, cinematography by Stephen Poster, who, um, who's done quite a bit of stuff. He was not, uh, he didn't do anything with any of the Rocky movies up until Rocky Five, but he did Big Top Pee Wee, he did The Boy Who Could Fly, he did Strange Brood, Dead and Buried, and more recently, he did the remake of the Amityville Horror. He did um, the Southland Tales, which was crazy, Daddy Daycare, Donnie Darko. Um, So there is a level of talent here that, you know, that is, you're like, okay, this is going to be really, this is going to be good. And so the movie was budgeted around $40 million and it ended up making about $120 million, which means like, yes, it made kind of its money back, but when you factor in, so $42 million was the budget to make the movie, but I guarantee you they spent double that to promote it. So I'm pretty sure this lost money, which we'll talk about later, but first we've both seen Rocky Vive. (laughs) <laughs> a long time ago. And we both rewatched it very recently, unwillingly, basically, just because it's, this is the one that's the joke. We did of it the... for you, listener. We did it for you. Yes, we yes, we did it for you, fan. So in like one or two sentences, Dan, please, what were your expectations? Did you forget everything? And after watching it in a, in a sentence or two, what, what did you think overall? Not a good movie. That's the most charitable way that I can say this. This is not a good movie. It is the fifth in a series of what I consider to be some great, some mediocre, but they never get bad except for this one. I am. Rocky is incredible. First Rocky. Rocky 2, highly entertaining. Rocky 3 is fine. Rocky 4, amazing. Rocky Balboa entertaining creed incredible movie creed 2 highly entertaining movie rocky 5 i will use none of those adjectives to describe it whatsoever i don't know if it was a money grab i don't know if someone forced sylvester stallone to make this movie but it had none of the magic none of the heart and nothing to hold your interest like any of the other one two three four seven movies that i just listed that are in this series that's that's how I feel about it. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because it, he has stated in interviews the reason why he came aboard this, and he, he used one word to describe why he did this. It's, uh, it's one of the seven deadly sins. Uh, greed. Uh, yep, he uses that word, uh, greed. And, you know, this is in 1990. Uh, this movie was released in 1990, so they probably filmed it in 1989, 1990. And this is, I mean, Sylvester Stallone is still uh, a pretty big name here at this point in time, but it's not until after this movie into the early, mid-90s where he became, like, the crazy action star. You know, right? forget about Cobra and stuff, but, like, you know, Daylight, Demolition Man, all these other movies where Sylvester kind of became, like, the equivalent of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, he wasn't the household name in that aspect yet. So Greed, kind of like in the movies uh, in Rocky, how we saw him become uh, famous and have money. He spent a lot of money. Uh, I think he wanted to revisit the character. And I think 
while doing this and after seeing the final project, even with the people he's worked with before, he's like, yeah, we just failed at this, which is why he kind of wrote a different draft that they did not do, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I think, you know, like Dan, I'm a pretty big fan of the Rocky series and franchise. Like it's some of, I mean, Rocky's one of the best films ever made. Rocky two, Rocky three, Rocky four. Yes, I can go into the homoeroticism of Rocky three and whatnot, but you know, you know my stance on that. It's pretty funny. You know, everybody wants to go, you know, frolic in the ocean <laughs> and have a splash fight, but there's excellent like moral high ground here and the underdog. It's it's all it's all pretty good. And Rocky five comes out, and you have a movie with Rocky where Rocky really doesn't fight, per se. (laughs) And they bring in just kind of some terrible characters, and they force feed and hit you over the head with, like, a 20-pound bag of hammers of, like, this emotional idiocy of, you know, like, how you're supposed to feel during this movie. And it just, it does does not stick the, the landing, doesn't stick the punches at all. So... Watching it back then, you're just like, this is not a good movie. And then rewatching it today, you're just like, man, this movie is just so painfully bad. It just all the wrong decisions. And like the script on paper, you're just like, this sounds so good because, okay, so Rocky is turning into the fighter. I mean, not to the fighter, he's turning into the, the guy who trains you, the trainer, which they did perfectly in Creed. And I think that's where he wanted to do Rocky. Like this, so Creed is basically almost Rocky Five, but in such a better right. way. And so, but Rocky Five just oh, they just did it so poorly, and it does not hold up. It never held up. Um, and <laughs> there's just tons it, of stuff. It, it legitimately betrays the magic of the first four, and the ones that come after this. Like it, it just ignores the the basic tenet that makes Rocky franchise great. And it it's Rocky fighting against a foe he has to overcome. And there's heart and there's the underdog story. And in this movie they they just remove all of it and they almost make him a side character in his own franchise and kind of a villain. And it just leads up to one of the all-time worst um conclusions to a movie oh my god yeah a long time. so i'm sure we'll get to that in a minute but yeah uh, it's if Ro- if rocky five had to happen so that we could get creed and learn how to do, do rocky five essentially correctly later down the line where rocky is a trainer then i will accept it as part of the legacy but as far as i'm concerned right now give me one of those men in black neuralizers and just flash my brain and just pretend that this movie never existed because honestly i don't i don't pretend it exists if someone asked me this is easily on the bottom of the rocky movies that if i had to rank them all and list them oh no no for sure this is the one that they can leave out of the canon you know this is like rocky one two and three are necessary and four but not five and then just go straight to balboa and creed but so let's talk about, so if you are unfamiliar with Rocky Five, so Rocky one through four is happening. So Rocky four is the one with Ivan Drago, the big Russian guy who ends up killing Apollo Creed in the ring. Rocky uh, seeks, uh, avenges his life and beats him. However, this movie Rocky Stop Five. The Cold War. Yes, the Cold War. He stopped the Cold War. He saved the United States versus Russia. Yep. He, he stopped that whole conflict by beating up a very tall blonde man. Come on, get it right. Who who played He-Man in another movie? Yes. (laughs) The Masters of the Universe. Uh, So this movie starts off kind of like right away after the events of Rocky IV with his victory over Ivan Drago. However, Rocky suffers some very severe uh, trauma. Like not, I mean, mentally, but also very physically. Like brain injuries. Yeah. He's not moving his body correctly. Like all the things that you see actually happen to real life boxers. He's starting to suffer it in the start of this movie. And he doesn't think he can fight anymore. Right, right. So, um, So 
this is where an older, kind of an older, well, not, I guess not older, maybe how old is his son in here? Because this is like where we see Rocky's and uh, uh, Adrian, or Adrian's son. 13. Yeah, 13. Yeah, his name is Robert. And right. uh, at a press conference, his boxing promoter tries to get Rocky to fight this guy who has a great, like, 80s bad guy name named Union Kane. <laughs> the best. Right, right. And, of course, Rocky declines the, to fight. But then Polly, of course, being Polly, makes bad decisions. And basically, uh, Rocky's accountant, uh, who's managed his money, has just squandered all of Rocky's money on crazy, horrible deals, basically leaving Rocky homeless and penniless. <laughs> so Rocky has to sell all of his shit and move back to like the low income neighborhood of uh, Philadelphia, right? So if we, st- if we stop right there with the beginning of the premise of the movie, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's no, good. You know, what happened, you know what happens to older boxers? Their brain gets messed up. They have debilitating injuries where they can't fight anymore. And they normally trust their money to some idiot or some shady person who loses the money. Like at that point on paper, I'm like, here's the underdog story. It's him gaining back his status. It's him rising to the top, providing for his family again, realizing his mistakes, teaching a younger generation something. Right there, we've got it. We're ready. Let's go. Show us, Rocky Five. And it doesn't go that direction. It does not. So yeah, like on paper, that seems that seems awesome. Like it's just, it seems good. And like I guess you know you would think like okay, so why doesn't Rocky? He's the top person in the world boxing. Everybody loves him. Why can't he make a? Uh, why can't he make commercials? Why can't he, you know, get endorsements? But I guess in some sort of deal with the the law he can't do that <laughs> which is just yeah not, a, well, not well explained but one of those like okay i'll go along with this let's go but i'm sure you know he gets a a mazda ad and a burger king ad and he's he's back you know he's right back wherever he wants to live yeah yeah but like he's he can't do that so they move back to philadelphia and uh mickey you know played by the legendary burgess meredith rocky's trainer uh, they head back to Mickey's gym where uh, he willed, where Mickey, I guess, willed this gym to his son, right? Right. And, uh, and it's fallen, like, it's, it's a shit house. Like, if you thought in the first movie Mickey's gym was a shit house, it's like 10 times worse now. And so uh, Rocky now sees like a visions like oh my god i have to become a trainer this is what i'm born to do now like i'm not fighting anymore i'm gonna train people right and then so this happens when rocky meets a new fighter named tommy gunn which is also a hilarious name and rocky but, will, uh, huh yeah and and we're also like up until this point we're still at a good plot yeah destitute he goes back to his old gym. He's going to repair it. He's going to train people out of it. He's going to find his purpose. He's going to make a living and he's going to teach kids to not make the same mistakes that he made in his career. And you're like, I'm on board for this introspective Rocky five movie that deals with the real nitty gritty of being a boxer. But instead he meets, there's no other way to describe him. Giant douchebag from Oklahoma named Tommy Gunn and straight out of like, a 1988 country music video, Tommy Gunn is sporting the sickest permed mullet throughout this movie that you've ever seen your entire life. He is a walking caricature of what you would expect a boxer from Oklahoma to be in 1990. <laughs> like, central casting, it is it is ridiculous. And, and Rocky says, you know what, I'm going to train you. Yes. Cartoon character who's coming yep. alive. And so as Rocky does this, here's where the 
weird part kind of comes in. Where we lose it. <laughs> yeah, where we lose it. So as Rocky's training and training and stuff, he kind of like just that's 110% training, which where he leaves his family and his son Robert in kind of like to deal with themselves. Like he's non-existent as a father right. and a husband. Terrible dad. Yes, yes, which leaves his son, 13-year-old son, Robert, to kind of get picked on at school, and, oh, man, and it just goes bad from here. You, you t- Tell the story. Tell the story. You want me to deal with the Robert story now? I feel like we need to dedicate, like, 20 minutes to Robert, but let's just dig into Robert real quick. For some reason, Sylvester Stallone had a ter- – I don't know his personal upbringing, so I don't want to – but. His idea of what a terrible father would be who's around is just insanity to me. This was a early 90s after school special rolled into the middle of this movie where Rocky's working hard to provide for his family so he's not around. His son's getting picked on. He's not really helping his son out. He's babbling. He's embarrassing his son. So what does his son do? The worst fear of every parent in 1990. He gets a long dangly earring that almost touches his shoulder that he pierces his one ear to let you know that he's rebelling against his parents and it just it's on there for the rest of the movie pretty much and it is hilarious but rocky you know to try to get with his son develops a relationship with tommy gunn that's very mentor father son ish and he goes oh you're getting bullied come on down to the gym and we'll have whoever this you know the side guy We'll train you. I'll help you. But instead, his son goes down there, dangly earring and all, and is doing push-ups. He's learned how to fight. His father has been the heavyweight champion. And his dad is legitimately wrestling and playing grab-ass with Tommy Gunn in the middle of the ring, five feet away. He's ignoring his son. He's not even, like, walking by his son and being like, hey, doing pretty good. You're really making some progress. Or, like, working with him at home. Like, he's not an... A brain surgeon. Rocky's not on call for 14 hours a day saving lives. He's a boxing trainer and he can't even set aside 15 minutes to just talk to his kid. Terrible father in this. His son rebels. His son smokes a cigarette at one point in a hilarious PSA to not smoke cigarettes at 13. (laughs) But it's just pretty much the movie turns into Robert Balboa Rocky's son wants a relationship with his father, but instead his father forces him to watch his dad have essentially a father-son or more relationship with a young fighter from Oklahoma who has a permed mullet. And that takes up about 45 minutes of the movie. And it's awful. (laughs) Did I leave anything out, Brian? (laughs) No, no, you didn't. So why do you think Sylvester Stallone wrote this character this way, this, this, this Robert character and this uh, Tommy Gunn character this way? I, I find this a lot in these late 80s, early 90s movies. I don't know if subtlety was really the name of the game when it came to characterization in movies. Like, you know, now you'll watch something and there will be essays written about these small characters and how brilliantly nuanced they were. In a lot of the movies back then, and especially this one, it's like, this son is mad at dad. He rebel. Therefore, he get earring. And he says mean things to his dad. Boom, there's his character. It's like, young fighter comes to town, looks up to heavyweight. Boom, that's a character. You know, wife doesn't want him to fight, so she has to be shrill and she has to be loud. Boom, that's a character. There's no room for any sort of really interesting growth or anything and i don't know if it's i think it just suffers from that or sylvester stallone is really a bad dad and he was just writing what he knew because that was his real son playing the character yeah that was his real son playing the character and uh so i'm I'm curious like if like that was like a love letter or like an i'm sorry letter to the son i don't think so but um this these it's out of character for Rocky, I think. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's an out of character for the Rocky character, which we'll get into more as well. Because I think there's a lot of stuff here that's out of character. And maybe they were trying to do something different here. But none of it, none of it makes sense. So you have this, this Tommy, this Robert uh, angle. And so t- 
Tommy is kind of like, he's a good fighter, but he's just like a bad person. And then Robert just wants his dad's affection, but just goes down a wrong beaten path type of thing. So this all kind of culminates to where um, Tommy is going to fight Union Kane, but there's like a caveat to this, right? Yes. The caveat being there is a disagreement and Rocky doesn't really want him to do it. And there's a gentleman named, oh, he had an awesome name. Hang on. It's George, oh, George Washington Duke. <laughs> yes. Who is essentially a stand-in for every terrible boxing promoter you could ever imagine your entire life. Yeah. And he wants Tommy Gunn. He just jumps on whatever's hot. And so what ends up happening is Tommy ends up beating Union Kane. Um but he, but Duke Washington, or I'm sorry, George Washington, ends up kind of pulling him away with all of the luxuries of being, you know. Yeah, he's kind of like the Don King, right? Yeah, the Don King. King. Here's the money. Here's this. Here's all the stuff you can do. And he showers him with it. And he ends up leaving Rocky um, as his trainer. He doesn't want to be part of Rocky anymore and, and disparaging him. And it really, you know, beats, it hurts Rocky. Rocky's upset. He, he's losing the only son he ever cared about. <laughs> in this movie because <laughs> he doesn't care about his son in the movie yeah no that's what you perfectly put that hearing. yeah yeah you know he, he he chose to abandon the son he he wanted but not the one that was his like it's just so funny and it makes no sense <laughs> right and and rocky does the whole thing where he warns him you know everything you do with um oh Rocky, the, the main reason, the main reason they don't get along is because he tells him if you deal with George Washington Duke, it's going to end up going poorly. Anyway, Tommy beats him, but he gets a lot of um, crap from the media. The media plays a very large role in this movie. Um, this was around the height of when Sports Center was really early, but really kind of starting to take off in sports narratives and everything. And I think that Sylvester Stallone was actually somewhat smart about this. This is one thing I'll give him credit for, that the when Tommy defeats Union Kane and becomes the, you know, the, the heavyweight champion in a first round knockout, people aren't saying, Oh my goodness, you're the champ. You're this. They're like, why'd you leave Rocky Balboa? And that's a big thing that would happen. I mean, we just see it in the, the NBA finals this week, like the Miami heat win to go to the Eastern conference finals. And they're asking the coach, how do you feel about you used to coach LeBron James? Now you're playing against him. You know, like you don't even give somebody, 10 seconds to enjoy their victory in their sport before you're already kind of digging into some sort of conflict that you can write a story about. So I actually kind of liked that narrative because it felt very ahead of its time for movies, but that obviously upsets Tommy. And if you want to take over, I don't even think I can get there. I don't think I can handle it. The, The conclusion, how do we end up in the bar? Like why, why did we even go to the bar? Well, so, oh my God. So it all, kind of, <laughs> it all kind of culminates in a, in a street fight, right? Is that, that where we're that's going? What we're, that's what we'll call it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is a fight it, that occurs in the street. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. In a street fight. And <laughs> it's, uh, it, it makes no sense why this would happen, which is probably why Sylvester Stallone decided to write an original ending to this, which they didn't use. But maybe Sylvester Stallone still had like faith in this character. (laughs) But what happens is um, Rocky gets into a fight with his own creation like the thing he created right yeah he's very if anyone knows anything and has ever heard sylvester sloan speak he's very deep and this was his take on frankenstein <laughs> yes yeah no yeah for sure it's like i've created this monster and now i have to destroy it well before it gets to the fight though you have to you have to remember the the media makes this narrative that even though you knocked out union kane in the first round 
with essentially one punch in a very boring boxing scene, which is also uncharacteristic for Rocky movies. Right. The media is like, why'd you leave Rocky? Also, you never defeated Rocky, who retired because of health concerns. That's what happens when you vacate the title. People aren't like, like, it's like uh, if someone was like, hey, you have to go beat Muhammad Ali when Muhammad Ali was still alive because at some point he had the title. <laughs> like, it's just, right. you vacate the title. So they make up this whole thing where, you're only he, a champion on paper. Paper, yes. And so and so Tommy goes, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna bring a news crew with me to the bar Rocky frequents, and I'm gonna talk a retired fighter who's old and used to be my trainer and has a debilitating brainstem injury. I'm gonna talk him into fighting me. That way I'm the real, real champion. Real champion. Because, Even though because, I am the real champion. Yes, yes. So Tommy wins this fight against Hughes and Kane, but you know, yeah, like like Dan said, the media and everybody's like, dude, he's just a he's a paper champion. He's not the real champion. He never beat Rocky for the title. So like, I'm going down to this bar. We're bringing the news crews, and I'm gonna confront him live on television. We're gonna have a fucking bar fight. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have an old fashioned street fight, WWE style. And so, it's it's so asinine and stupid. It is the equivalent of. Peyton Manning won Super Bowl 50 and then retired as the Super Bowl champion. The next year, two teams played football. If that team, whatever team won that Super Bowl, then you turn around. It was, it was the Patriots, by the way. Um, if they turn around, <laughs> they said, you're not the champion because you didn't beat Peyton Manning. <laughs> like that's, if the media was like, you didn't beat Peyton Manning. And then Tom Brady was followed by a sports center to Peyton Manning's bar and said, Lace them up, Peyton. We're going to the football field to find out who's the real champion. That's how stupid this plot point is for the climax of the film. Right. And so it all kind of results in a, like a small little fight when Tommy punches Polly, like an old drunk Polly. And right. then Rocky challenges Tommy to a street fight, which they go out and then just they just start punching each other in the street like you would see in a hardcore match of WWE. And then, of course, uh, Rocky is kind of losing, and then the police show up. And then, uh, <laughs> and then Rocky knocks – Rocky does a knockout on top of a car, and it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, what is happening here? Why? Why is this happening? He ends up winning. Yeah. There's some, some, it's not a boxing match. It's a legit street fight. They're throwing each other into fences. They're doing like flips and pushes and like takedowns and all sorts of ridiculous moves. And like Sylvester Stallone, or sorry, Rocky is seeing visions from like, get up rock. Yeah. Oh, and see, this is where I, where I said earlier in the show, they're cheaply giving you emotions cheap emotions right. cheap shit and you're just like oh it's a street fight why am i flashing back to like get up sean you're just and, like and oh my god his too. son remember his son who he loves so much who's still kind of mad at him is um watching tv watching the local news because that's what all cool kids do with earrings um and his mom <laughs> his mom who's also mad at him not mad at him but adrian kind of disappointed in where he's going thinks he needs to calm down all that sort of stuff they see him fighting on the local news. Because remember, the local news just live broadcast street fights, fights behind yeah. Philadelphia bars. And they, rather than be like, what the hell is dad doing? Because he has a brainstem injury? And why is he fist fighting a guy in an alley? I'm concerned about this. They show up and essentially cheer him on <laughs> and are like, yep, good old dad. And, and then there's countless straight out of central casting Philadelphia extras all cheering Rocky on beating the crap out of the heavyweight champion of the world behind a bar. Rocky sees some visions, gets his power back, literally gets his power back. Like he's defeated. He's on the ground, like dizzy and stuff. And then he stands up and he's like, I am all I'm ready. And he beats up Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn leaves George Washington, my Duke. boy, George Washington Duke <laughs> talks some shit. And so Rocky goes, he's like, I'll sue you. I'll sue you if you pu- if I punch you. So Rocky somehow uppercuts him by hitting him in the stomach, which launches George Washington Duke about four and a half feet off his feet onto the hood of a car and the whole crowd cheers even louder and even more wildly. 
And uh, yeah, and then, and then we have the epilogue, which is oh. also un just so terrible and bad. We know he fixed his son. Why? Why, Brian? Why did it? Why is the 1990 son no longer rebelling against his parents? Well, because they 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 made up. They they go to the Museum of Art. <laughs> I would I would like to I would like to say that's the correct answer, but no, his son no, no longer has an earring. That's yep. how we know everything is okay in the family. <laughs> I took so the earring made him the rebellious person. If he takes it out, he's back to normal. Just, I mean, they put an earring on a kid, which there's nothing wrong with. But that back then was like the signifier of, oh, this kid, this kid really doesn't like his parents. And I'm just like, oh, come on. Then they take it off at the end when they're getting along. And uh, Rocky. Well, he replaces the um, he replaces the earring with cufflinks. The cufflinks from Rocky. Uh, with with Marciano. Marciano, yeah, and yeah. and then Rocky makes a terrible Picasso joke, and that's that's where the movie ends. Yes, that's Rocky Five. That 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 is Rocky Five. So basically, this movie is about earrings. Earrings are no good. Well, Brian, I don't know even think we need. I'm sure half the people stop this podcast and are watching the movie right now. Yeah, after right. That glowing breakdown. <laughs> They have to. They have to see this. They have to see this. So okay. So now that you know how the movie goes, I mean, you have to see it to kind of believe it. But you do, we don't want you to see it just because it's just the so badly made. Yeah. Um, the okay. So interestingly <laughs> enough, like I said in WWE Street Fight. Sylvester Stallone, the filmmaker, has hired a WWE hardcore legend named Terry Funk to choreograph the street fight at the end of the movie. Now, if you don't know who Terry Funk is, you could look him up. He is still doing retirement matches well on into his 15-year retirement. Every time he does a match in an indie show, it's a retirement match. So Terry Funk is known in the wrestling world as being, like, crazier than Mick Foley. He was before Mick Foley, Terry Funk did all the barbed wire street fights. He, he looks like a crazed serial killer, madman. He's insane, but they hired him to choreograph this street fight, which you can kind of see more or less because they're being thrown into fences. And it's cartoony. Yeah. It's cartoony. It doesn't make sense. It's very theatrical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has, it has art. The fight has arcs to it, but not in like a subtle or interesting or believable way. It's like, now we're going to throw you up against the fence and knock over <laughs> trash cans. Like it's very, it's very much theater, which is fine and works for wrestling all the time. Like, it, like on wrestling, it's great to see a nice street fight, but this movie and that climax, you could tell it was a choreographed climax of a movie on a set. That wasn't a real alley. Those trash cans were plastic. Like you could, it was very, very, it seems so staged and so artificial that it really takes you out of it and just stupid from a plot point. Yeah, no, it made no sense. You're like, you're like we, yes, we've seen Rocky fight, you know, several times in Rocky one through four, but let's, that's what we're paying to see here. We want the underdog story and we never got that. And so we got this canned staged, you know, wrestling fight outside and it's terrible. Okay. So back to what we've been saying throughout the podcast Sylvester Stallone wrote an original ending for this that they did not use. Dan, what do you think uh, about this original ending? Do you think it would have been the best way to go? I mean, we're we glad it didn't go this way because we got more. We got Creed and Balboa. But, yes. Um, so the original ending was um, Rocky was going to see Burgess Meredith's ghost on some Philadelphia train tracks and then die in the street fight. Like, he was going to die. Yeah, he and... was going to die in the arms of... <laughs> Natalia Shire's Adrian yeah, yeah, is in his wife's arms. Pretty much mirror the first movie in a sense, except he's dying. And I, no, I'm not a fan of that at all. I mean, obviously hindsight's 2020, et cetera, et cetera. But that would have, first of all, it would have destroyed the sequels, obviously, if the main character dies. But also just what a huge betrayal of this obnoxiously dumb movie to have the character die in order in order to force more emotion into a movie like this um i'm glad that they didn't do it but what i honestly was 
thinking about last night because unfortunately that's what I do thanks to this podcast is think about better endings for Rocky Five. It would have been really actually touching and kind of like emotional and kept the character going if um, Tommy Gunn, who was a dick, realized what a dick George Washington Duke was after he got that thing and realized like, hey, you're, you're terrible for me. Rocky was white, blah, blah, blah. And he showed up to the gym where Rocky trained him. And Rocky was like in there cleaning or something like that. And he goes, everyone's saying that I can't be the champion until I beat you. And Rocky was like, come on in. And they like sparred, like almost in a playful way where like Tommy Gunn comes back to Rocky. He's like, I made the mistakes. You're right. I don't want to make the same mistakes you do. And then it just ended with them kind of like sparring, even if they were in headgear or something like that. But just to let you know, like these two are back together. We actually did learn some lessons. Like maybe his son's the referee, like in the boxing match, but like bring it all together. And, and make a good arc. But the fact that Sylvester Stallone was like, I know a good emotional way for this movie to end is to have me die in a street fight. It's and that's very cool. out of character again for Rocky character. And you got to think, where was he coming from from this? Like maybe he knew this was like, this movie was a dud. He's like, man, I just need to kill this character off. But like in like such a poor way, like it was not redeeming or anything. And so, no. it, so hear me out. Here's okay. my conspiracy theory for Rocky Five. Let's you want go. Flat Earth. Flat Earth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I think Rocky or Sylvester Stallone wanted to make a Star Wars type of story here. And going along with Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi we're already seeing a force ghost with Mickey. And True. now Sylvester Stallone is going to sacrifice himself so that his son and maybe Tommy will become the next Jedi and he will be the next force ghost. I really think that's what he was thinking going through this. What I do you think? To, I think that that, I would make fun of that to the end until I saw that interview about how Sylvester Stallone wanted to be in Guardians of the Galaxy so bad because he felt bad that he didn't get to be in Star Wars or any of those sci-fi movies of the 70s and 80s. Have you ever seen that interview? With I him? have seen that interview. And like, He's I really like, think... Oh, I had to say yes to Guardians of the Galaxy because I've always wanted to be in a space movie. <laughs> Rocky Five was his space movie. space movie. I really think he was trying to go that route like... Dude, force ghosts and Padawans and Jedis. Like, this is like Rocky V. I'm the trainer. I'm the Jedi. I'm trying the Padawans. I'm going to be a force ghost. I'm seeing my old force ghost Yoda yelling at me. We've got to sacrifice myself. And as he's dying in Adrian's arms, we just see his clothes, just his body melt away, but his yeah. clothes stay there. I'm telling Rocky. you. Rocky won Kenobi. <laughs> Rocky one Kenobi. There it is. I really do believe that went through his mind when he was writing this script, at least originally. I really wanted to make fun of that. But I mean, based on everything I've seen with Sylvester Stallone, that's just crazy enough to probably be 75% true. (laughs) (laughs) I just, all the signs are there, you know? I mean, it's like, it really is. (laughs) (laughs) but i mean and you know we we crap on this movie but i mean to kind of tie a bow on it the mistakes in this movie and the legacy of this movie is everything that he's supposed to be in this film and all the emotional weight and all of the the touching moments all of the actual character growth all those mistakes he made in this one he learned from and made creed which is an incredible sequel slash reboot to a franchise in that movie rocky is a father figure he is a trainer he is an obi-wan kenobi if you will showing like the old school ways of training no, and doing he all is things. he is so every, and, 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 and he was nominated for an academy award for his role he was he won a golden globe as rocky Bal, uh, balboa in creed like Everything that went wrong in this movie and every single character arc he was trying to force down our throat in 1990 with those sensibilities, he morphed into a touching story that I think is 
second or maybe people will argue second or third best Rocky movie, if not the second best Rocky movie in Creed. No, and for so, sure. I think Creed is right up there with Rocky one. Like they did so that so well. It's amazing. It's an amazing movie. And every mistake that he made in Rocky five brought him to Creed. And so as much as I sit here and I shit on Rocky five for the past 45 minutes, I think for as bad as it is, so eventually some really good came out of it. And that's a testament to, to Stallone and his writing and realizing where he needed to actually go with the character. Right. Because, you know, after this movie in 1990, then we got Rocky Balboa, which was released in 2006. So we're talking like 26, was it 16 years later? That's right. 16 years later. And Rocky Balboa was made for only $24 million. You know, half the budget Rocky five was, and it ended up making like 160 million, made a lot of money, but. And better than this. Yeah, it was better than this because it kind of showed him how he was now. Like he owns a restaurant, you know, he's not, he's making ends meet. He's, he's fine, but he's not like wealthy or anything. And, you know, Adrian died. He's still dealing with that in his own way. And, you know, the media again comes back to play and like, you know, we did like the CGI simulation. If Rocky Balboa was to fight, you know, the best person in the world, uh, Antonio Tarver as Mason the Dixon, you know, Mason the Lion Dixon yeah. type of thing, Rocky would win. So I get this, but then you come back and it's all about Rocky and his son, Robert, played by Milo Ventimiglia. And you could tell that like Rocky still hasn't been a part of his son's life, nice. maybe oh, due help. to Milo's or uh, not Milo, but to Robert's uh, dismay of him throughout the years. But they kind of like work things out at the end of Rocky Balboa, much like they do in Rocky Five. But then you get to Creed and it's a kind of a different story uh, because they don't have like the family there, but Rocky or Creed Two deals with that a little bit as well. But I think Rocky Balboa is kind of like a almost to tell right. the father-son story again, but in a better way. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think Rocky Balboa does a much better job of portraying the conflict that a son who has a famous father who wasn't around all the time, like that, that impact. Like some of the things that Robert says in Rocky Balboa are honest. They're honest things that are said. They're honest feelings to have. Where in this movie, I mean, it was just, it was just so forced. Like we didn't see it. We didn't get to experience it. And so Rocky Balboa was a bridge movie because now when I think about Rocky, um, I do think about not in the same way Fast and Furious, you make the joke, those movies are about family. But the Rocky movies really are to me at this point, they're about family. They're, they, they, the Creed movie, it's about a family sticking together. I mean, it's boxing, they're different races, they're all that, but it's a, Creed 2, it's about family. Rocky Balboa is about family. Um, The first Rocky is about him trying to find a family or find that he belongs with a certain group of people. You know, Rocky 4 is about defending your family or avenging your family when when Apollo dies. And so it's just funny to me that Rocky, before Rocky 5, well, you know, I never thought of the movies as trying to have that theme or any sort of that deeper connection. But from Rocky Five on, it's clear that Sylvester Stallone matured. And he was like, you know what? This movie needs to be more human-focused or the compassion part of humans. And just because we're using boxing as a way to get to that. And it works in the later movies. And you can kind of glom some of it onto some of the older movies. But Rocky Five is just the worst example of it. But it was the first time they tried it. So it's just so weird. Well, yeah, you kind of have to, like, where was everybody's mind? Because you have John G. Allison, who did the original Rocky. You have Irvin, Irwin Winkler and Robert Chardoff producing. You have Sylvester Stallone writing. You have, you're bringing back the people who uh, were in the film as actors. You bring back the music guy, Bill Conti, along with new music, which we'll get into in a second. And you got to think, like, where did it go wrong if you had these original people? I guess it was the time. It was, like, 89 and 1990. Like, this is what they thought everybody wanted not to tell the same story this is where this is where it's gonna go different and it just never it didn't work out very well it failed yeah it failed and that's i mean 
the nicest way. I'm not trying, <laughs> not trying to de- derail the the conversation on Rocky Five, but yeah, it's it's the worst Rocky movie, but it's also a fascinating to look at it in this amount of depth because it really opened up previous Rocky movies somehow and led to much better Rocky movies in the future. So it's definitely like a bridge movie into for this franchise in both directions. Well, not only a bridge movie, but it actually is kind of like the story of Rocky, the underdog who just maybe not wins the fight and has like a failure. And then some years later comes back with a vengeance and wins the Oscars and makes all the money with new Rocky. So do, I mean, thinking about this Rocky five. Yeah. It might be one of the best Rocky movies because it gave us Rocky Balboa and Creed <laughs> right. without it, you know, like, you know, you kind of think of it that way in a positive spin, but yes, no, the movie's terrible itself. Yes. So yes. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the music in this movie, Rocky five, the yeah. music soundtrack album. <laughs> Holy God. You've got MC hammer on this movie. You've got like, Alan Menken and Elton John on oh, this yeah. album you've got snap you know i got the power snaps on this album you've got not one mc hammer song you've got two mc hammer songs so oh my god <laughs> it's bad the music is bad and they tried to the same thing that happened with creed the same thing i i go i go back to creed who did this better but obviously 1989 1990 they are contemporary, very popular pop stars, rappers, musicians into the narrative of the film by using their music. Like a jukebox will be playing or training montage will be happening. It'll be like, we need to play this song that doesn't really fit anything, but people may groove to it on the radio. And they, it, it didn't work in the film setting. So it didn't work for the movie. Like you may hear these MC Hammer songs. You may hear these Elton John songs on the radio and be like, oh, that's not bad. But hearing it in Rocky Five is insanity. And it seems so strange. It feels so out of place. And I did not care for it one bit. But then another thing, look forward at what happened with Creed. You take the orchestra music from the original Rocky movie and you let some producers and Meek Mill, a very current popular musician, rapper, wrap a verse over it and you play it during the mini bike scene where uh, he, uh, Adonis Creed is sprinting slow motion through the Philadelphia thing. And it gives you chills. Like you can run through a damn brick wall, but you never hear that song on the radio. That movie, that, that song in Creed was designed specifically for a part in a movie that worked just like the Rocky music was designed to elicit an emotional response and walk Rocky one through four. And in Rocky five, they said, you know what would really get the kids jamming out? Some MC Hammer from a jukebox. And it's so, <laughs> it's so out of place that it, it, it gives you no emotion, but like an instant recoil of like, what the hell is this song doing in here? Right, right. No, yeah, the, the soundtrack's not great. No. Like the movie. All right, let's talk about when this movie came out, November 16th, 1990, what movie did it go up against? The release date, November 16th, 1990, Rocky Five, went up against Home Alone. Oh. <laughs> Home oh, I Alone. I thought you were going to quiz me. That's why I was rubbing my head. I was like, <laughs> oh, is this going to be this is gonna be really embarrassing if I don't get it. Wow. Home, it went up against Home Alone. So it must have Rock, got demolished. Rocky Five made $14 million. 14 million opening weekend. <laughs> in 1990, though, what did Home Alone make? So Home Alone was made for $18 million, and that went on to make $500 million. Oh, crap. So um, <laughs> uh, in its opening weekend, Home Alone grows $17 million uh, only. Hey, Brian, by the way, since you brought up Home Alone, should we tell the listeners now that our Christmas episode will be Home Alone 4? Yes, it will. Yes, it will. <laughs> we should do Home Alone 3 because that was the first one that it, that was out without Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Let's do Santa Claus 3 and Home Alone 3. Okay, perfect. Double perfect. <laughs> <laughs> a, double, a double feature. But, but 
if it only made $17 million uh, opening weekend, it went on to make tons of money throughout the holiday season where Rocky never recovered. Like it never made over $14 million ever. But overseas, so overseas people like Rocky and it brought up Rocky's box office to, you know, $140 million. But here in the States, it was like $40 million only. Nobody liked it. So even, so even the, even the American public rejected this movie from the start. Yeah. Because I think people, we're not crazy sitting here like crapping on it, you know, 30 years later, this is a movie. It tanked initially with people in 1990 who would, presumably be excited about this movie right right well i mean i think people wanted to see rocky fight and probably the trailer showed that wasn't going to happen he's like he's the trainer he's training somebody else why would i go see this yeah that would make sense and then you have the ask the element of home alone which you know is the first kind of movie of its kind it looked amazing family friendly holiday that was the movie to see and so just nobody wanted to see that and then plus when critics you know critics gave it horrible reviews because like oh god this is like the the fifth movie how can it be good um so i think there was that so uh yeah i think rocky five a lot of times we look back on these older movies and we have to say the critics and the public were wrong but it seems like in this time they got it right yeah yeah i think this uh it they they got it right it still doesn't hold up i just think and so in if you've listened to interviews with Sylvester Stallone, somebody brings up Rocky five, he's like on a scale of one to a hundred, this gets a zero, you know, like he knows this movie's bad. He knows that it didn't come out well. And, you know, a lot of people will, a lot of filmmakers and actors will say like, yeah, we had a good time making this movie. This is what we want to do. But he owns it. He owns like, yeah, we didn't do a good job with this. It didn't come out well. We had good intentions. But then again, like the character itself he came up out of the ashes and made three great movies with the character that yeah yeah, are critically acclaimed but he wanted to kill he wanted to kill this character yeah luckily he he didn't instead he got academy award recognition two movies later so there you go yeah i mean it's it's a yeah in all in all thank you for rocky (laughs) five yes yeah See, this came around to a weird place because I was like, God, this movie's such a piece of shit. I was like, we're just going to make fun of this the whole time. But I mean, I'm being perfectly honest right now. We got a lot of good from Rocky Five. We because did. It, we led, did. it led to so many good things. So if there's any political or social undertone to Rocky Five, what would it be? Um, everyone's a caricature. <laughs> every single person is not a real person they are a boardwalk drawing that you had to spend 25 dollars to get made the kid from oklahoma oh he's got a mullet and a draw and dresses like that the boxing promoter guess what he's a very tall black man who wears glasses with a top hat and a fur coat you know it's just every single <laughs> the kid who rebels has an earring and a leather jacket it's just Every single person is just, there's no imagination to their character. Um, But I'm not sure that's social or political as much as just lazy development (laughs) from the production crew. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's that. And maybe just like the lesson is the seven deadly sin, the the greed. Don't let greed take you over. Something like that. I don't know. But uh, that is fear and loathing. In cinema, the Rocky Five edition. Oh my! Uh, I think you know what we came into this movie because we we picked this movie a couple weeks ago and we we're like, "Fuck, we're gonna do this." And I think we came out like feeling good about it. I think we Rocky Fived ourselves. <laughs> I think we hit the lowest point of this young podcast, and by the end, we picked the worst movie, and it's made us better. And we're yep. ready to move on and do bigger, better things and learn from mistakes. Like I'm, I'm feeling good about this one. Like I was, I was kind of nervous about, we were just going to seem like two jerks just crapping on a movie. But I think somehow we've come to a place with Rocky five that it's not a good movie, but it's given us a lot. 
in the future. And Sylvester Stallone learned a lot from it. And there are a lot of elements in here that he perfects in future movies that are admittedly I love. So you know what? If he has to make one bad movie to give me three good ones, guess what? That's that's fine by me. And I'll talk about any movie he wants to do that for. Yeah, let's, uh, yes, absolutely, 100% agree. And if you want to see Sylvester Stallone's Star Wars movie, see Rocky V. Yes. <laughs> if the earring strikes back. The earring strikes back. All right, Dan, tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. I am on all your social medias, at Dan J. Moran 29, Instagram and all the other fun places that people go to. And I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm on Boomstick Comics, Screen Rant, High Def Digest, and of course, this podcast can be found on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, or the Multimedia Men podcast. This is Fear and Loathing in Cinema. We'll be back in a week or two with the next fun film, which we hopefully get all the jolly wishes and candy cane dreams from... Uh, We love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.